So I think being flexible, listening, encouraging, and inspiring is the key to being able to run a really good sales team. Welcome to the Insurance Producers Podcast, where we bring you the top personalized producers, insurance agents, and industry partners, giving you at least three takeaways to 10x your production and build your multi-million dollar revenue books. So sit back, relax, and become inspired by the success stories and strategies of the world's top insurance minds. Let's roll. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Insurance Producers Podcast. Hey, today I'm extremely excited to bring on the one and only who is a better host than me in the podcast, and her name is Teresa Kitchens. Teresa, thanks for being here. Thank you so much. I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a pleasure to have you. We are super excited to learn a lot about you. Um, I follow you. A lot of our followers, of course, follow you on social media, different things that you're doing for the industry. So, uh, And if you don't know Teresa, um, I would love for you to take maybe a minute, Teresa, just tell the audience just a little bit about um, who you are, uh, where where you are, and then what kind of, how is the agency, how you got into the industry real quick, and uh, we'll, get, we'll get to the good stuff. Yeah. So thanks so much. So yeah, so I've, I've owned the Sterling Insurance Group. We're going on 21 years in March. So that's been fun. I actually, fun story, I actually didn't even have an insurance license when I started. So I don't know how in the world they let me sign a contract, but I did. Uh-huh. And um, it's been a great 21 years. Um, we have been able to, to grow the agency. Uh, it's been wonderful. It is a family agency. So my dad works with me and my daughter works with me now as well. So we're excited about that, that family lineage, if you will. Um, and uh, I originally have an undergraduate degree in elementary education, but I found that that education piece has been really, really valuable in being able to talk to people about insurance. Um, so uh, I've loved it. It's been a wonderful ride. About four years ago, we decided that there were that we needed more women's voices inside the insurance mm-hmm. space. So we started up an amazing podcast called Power Women in Insurance. So uh, we have that as well. And uh, just getting out there, trying to be able to support everybody in the insurance space, but especially women to be able to have, you know, their voice and be able to step into the career that they truly want. And um, so we have a great time on the podcast. I, I, I truly love that. My, my first, um, my, I had a daughter first. So and when I became a dad, um, my, my daughter is seven years old and that completely like, made me a completely different person. Yeah. So anytime, anytime I do this, and I've said this before on podcasts, like I think of her anytime I make a decision because I'm like, would my, with my daughter was here, like, what would she think of me? Right. Like all the yeah. time. So I've kind of seen that side of it, that side, that lens, I guess, from your, from your side of, okay, like there's really not, I know, I know you've mentioned this all the time in podcasts when I've listened to you, I know you're going to show us, you're going to tell us that it's statistics about how many agency owners are women and how many people are in. So I, I have made it an effort on this podcast to try to make it as equal as possible because I want to make sure I give that to my, to honestly, my daughter, my wife yeah. is actually our principal uh, in our, in our agency. Uh, yep. Yeah, she's our, she's our principal. Well, she hasn't been to the office in three or four years, but she is our principal. <laughs> <laughs> of she, she's the principal at work and she's the principal at home. So I like it. that's kind of, that's kind of how it goes. My household is run by my, by my two girls. So 
I want to I want to give you a platform on that, right? Like I want to just if you could deep dig a little bit deeper on that. Can you give me the statistics on the insurance world, please? Yeah, absolutely. So approximately, statistically, approximately 60% of the industry is women. Now that's uh, your service, that's your owners, that's your sales, that's, that's kind of like the industry in general, right? Is around 60%. But as far as like leadership, we only have around 18% that actually go into a leadership position. That could be corporate, that could be anything with maybe ownership, management of an agency, anything like that. So we see a really large difference between the number of women as the, the, the ranks rise right into where you get into a little bit more of a leadership position. And um, we've also found that a lot of women stay in positions because they feel that they are the primary uh, caretaker for children. Maybe they want more mm -hmm. of that flexibility. They don't want more of that hard driven career. Uh, we're mm -hmm. also seeing that some women just have a harder time maybe finding their voice and being able to step up and say, hey, I want blank. Um, and then also on the other side of that, I think women just um, we're juggling so many different things. We mm -hmm. approach challenges, conflict. We approach sales. We approach management, not necessarily from a different perspective, but we, we, we internalize things a little bit differently and um, not all women and not all men. Right. I mean, that's not a 100% comment. So, um, but at the same point, gen, gen, just in general, um, women manage and lead differently than men do. And uh, there's also a lot of different conversations that happen in a woman-based agency than a men's aid agency. Like, I'll have people uh, that come to me and talk to me about things that are very personal. And mm -hmm. I don't know that they would do that with a man necessarily as much. And there's, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of really good, strong things about that. But sometimes as women, we also still need to make sure we put up um, those guidelines and those um, boundaries, if you will, to make sure mm -hmm. that we keep the agency focused um, and are driven towards the right goals. So it's a great conversation to be able to have with women in both the sales and production and the concept of management and, um, you know, administration. How do you balance life? How do you mm -hmm. balance being a woman in, in this environment? Maybe being the only woman in the room. Maybe um, how do you ask for that promotion? How do you ask for more? How do you ask for the sale? How do you get out of your comfort zone? And um, that's really kind of where the podcast started. And that's really where my passion lies and really working with women specifically in the insurance space to really help them to be able to rise and get what it is that they want out of life. Absolutely. I would tell you, we have our, our and, and this is another question I want to ask you because this was at State Forum and this is honestly the same way on the on the independent channel when I was with State Farm, why is it that, okay, women, okay, you pretty much hire them for like customer experience or customer service or doing all this other stuff versus you always look for like men to be like on the sales side. Like, I feel right. like that's just the wrong way to do it. But it's funny because I look at my service team, our customer experience team, there's seven of them and all seven of them are ladies. Yeah. And I look at my sales side, I only have two ladies that are on the sales side and 11 guys that are on that are on the sofa. Why do you think that disparity exists? And is this is that going to change? You think in, in in the in the future? Well, I think of it. I think of it kind of like a Venn diagram, and it's kind of my way of thinking about it. Is there a lot of women just gravitate naturally a little bit more towards the service side? They want to nurture. They want to have good conversations. Mm -hmm. They want to take care of people. Right. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to have a really 
decent uh, percentage of women that really that's their nature, right? Mm-hmm. And, and even if you go to the other side of, of, of um, maybe sales and closing and things like that, you, there are different types of sales, different types of closers, right? There's your farmers, there's your, there's your, um, your farmers and your hunters, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of women in the hunter space are going to be, there's going to be fewer women in general, just because women gravitate more towards that. I think it's easier for a woman to be more in that nurturing space. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. a really great sales person, especially as a woman, there are amazing hunters out there that are women mm-hmm. and they do an amazing job. I just don't mm-hmm. think they're as frequent in the sales environment as mm-hmm. a male. I think men gravitate more towards that hunter mentality. Mm-hmm especially mm-hmm. in sales. And they really embrace the, the possibility of what sales can bring them. Whereas women, on the other hand, we're a little bit more stability driven in general. We want a little bit more of that, that base salary. We want, we want a little bit more of that, that security, right? That really lends itself where, well, the sales, mm-hmm. but it's also that farmer mentality in, um, in the sales aspect, right? So women are really, really great. For, everybody's really great in farming, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes down to that. But I think women gravitate more towards the farmer aspect of sales. But there are a lot of women out there that are killing it in the hunter space. You know, I just think if you look at it kind of like a Venn diagram type concept, you're going to have percentage less of women that are that, that, that hunter versus women in sales that are that farmer. And I think women, because we have that a little bit more of that farmer nature, we gravitate towards the sales and service, but also the closing through the sales and service mm-hmm. type of an approach in our careers. And, um, I think that just gives the women a little bit more, um, What's why we're it's just a happier place for our souls a little bit more. Mm-hmm. We really get to connect. We really get to know our clients a little bit more. We're not. I don't think women are as as close and move on, close mm-hmm. and go close. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of women out there that are that are doing an amazing job in that space. But they might even be, um, you know, still that relationship driven, you know, the hunter type thing. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's really something that we're seeing is that uh, women are a lot more uh, just grab towards that service piece. But when you find one in there, that's really, really great. If we can merge them into a little bit more of an incentive based farmer style for a sales role, they kill it in that. Mm -hmm. But I think in our culture, so many people, especially in administration, want that hunter because they want that close. They want that number. They want that push. They want that drive. Right. And so I think that farmer space with the service and then the farmer mentality is a little bit harder to be able to um, get our mind around whenever we're hiring for a sales position. So I think naturally we as leaders gravitate towards men because men can be a little bit more of that hunter mentality and mm-hmm. a, that hunter uh, uh, philosophy and space. Mm-hmm. And I think that with the combination, I think when we can get women in that space, they're dynamic and they're awesome and they are so amazing. But at the same point, I think men are just that natural hunter style a lot more that people look for when they're hiring for sales. I, I would, I would, I would agree with what you what you have said. I would say our, um, I'm one of those guys, one of those leaders that like our customer experience team. Like I don't make a decision. Like that's that's Maggie, who's our who's our operations manager, who's our basically kind of runs our customer experience. Like you make the decision. You would never have to come to me. You know, we kind of have like a leadership team for every department almost. And then I would tell you, our highest salesperson is Tara Bailey. She's incredible. She kicks every everybody's butt in our in our office. 
and 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 every week she is dot hunter. So if you yeah. because you know we have empowered her and other people in the past have empowered her. And um, what I would tell you is I've got a lot of guys that work in my office, a lot of younger guys and stuff. You watch them work and then you watch Tara work. One thing I've learned about working with women, they don't waste time because they oh. understand like their parents. They understand that like, dude, even if you have one minute, like I, yesterday, I get home and my wife with my three kids, they went to a play date with some friends. I come home and it's five o'clock and I sit there and I'm like, Wow, I've got 20 minutes. I turn on Sports Center for the first time in seven years. I sit on the couch and I'm like, I feel really guilty sitting here on the couch after work. That's how women usually are. They do not. They're like, I have to do this and that. And that's one of the biggest reasons Tara is extremely successful because she's just on the grind. When she's at work, she's never wasting one minute where I see all these other guys on social media going to the bathroom, talking about what happened the weekend and all that stuff. Yeah. And she's like, boom, 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 boom. And she'll do 1.7 million in new business this year. I mean, she's just going to nice. kill it. She's yeah. going to do an incredible job because I know she knows not to waste time. So I feel like women have that down. So I want to ask you real quick, or uh, you want you work with your daughter and, and, I, and, and then obviously you have a family business with your dad. My brother works for me. My other, my two of my brothers work for me. And then my sister works for me as well. Wow, and nice. inside, in, inside of our office, we have a mother, daughter, sister, 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 a sister, brother, and then two fiancés, <laughs> like internally. Yeah. So like, talk, talk about like family, right? So, like, uh, it's a dynamic. Curse. Yeah. Right? There's something about insurance, and I don't really know what it is, but there's something about insurance that nepotism runs really, really deep in this industry. <laughs> And I don't know why, like, I, I, I don't know what it is about that, you know, but nepotism is a really big thing. Like my mom was an in insurance. My mom actually worked for State Farm. She was a claims secretary for like um, easily 28 years. She was that way before she had me. She stayed home for a while. Then she came back to work. And I don't know what her full time was, but I think I think she had 28 years at State Farm um, when she passed away. But I, she, she was with State Farm. My dad was always in insurance. He did a little bit more life insurance, health insurance. He did more financial products and he kind of went into all state and stuff like that at one point. But, um, he was kind of on that journey too. And I swore I'd never do insurance. I was like, that's the worst thing ever. And in um, college, I actually did an internship at State Farm in the mailroom at uh, one of the claim centers. And I swore I'd never, ever get into insurance ever. But yet, that is the story of an insurance agent. People are like, well, you know, they were hiring and then we get in and we love the industry. Right. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And it's amazing how much nepotism comes with that conversation. And I would love it if somebody had real answers for that. I really would, because I don't know where that comes from, but even people who swear they'll never do it end up doing it and love it. I think, I think really the family dynamic though is a blessing and a curse because it's awesome because you have each other's back, right? Like when I was raising my two kids, um, so my son would be 30 and my daughter is 25. Uh, she turns 25 next week. And so um, with that, I was a, I was a, I was a full-time mom and well, I was a, I was a single mom for a number of years. And um, so just raising my kids, it was like, my dad was always like, let's shut down the office and we're going to go to that Christmas party. We're going to go to that thing. Right. Or we tag team, right? Like, okay, I'm going to take the phones. You go pick up the kids. Right. And then he would go pick up the kids one day and then I would go pick up the kids. And we had a playroom in the back with hamsters and fish. And we had, you know, a snake back there and all wow. like, you know, big Nintendo and all this. 
but we we made it a family environment and i think insurance lends itself so well to that mm -hmm. and um and especially when people can work as a team i think that is really the key but when things get hard and things are struggling I think the biggest challenge is having those really hard questions that are business driven questions mm -hmm. with the people that you love. Um, mm -hmm. We don't want to be able to cause problems between our, our parents, our brothers, our sisters, mm -hmm. our cousins, whoever it is, our children. But at the mm -hmm. same point, we need to be really, really cognizant of the fact that we have to keep those communication lines open. My daughter's been working with me now for two years and, um, I've changed up what she does a little bit. And she came in originally as um, outside sales. She did a great job with that. We ended up uh, purchasing a commercial lines book. So I brought her in as a running the commercial lines department now. So she's doing that and she's knocking it out of the ballpark, doing a great job. But we have what we call mom hat, mm -hmm. boss hat. So therefore, if we are having a conversation and sometimes she says, she says, okay, mom hat, I need mom hat. I'm like, okay. So then I know we're having a conversation as family. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know that if she says, OK, boss hat, I know we're having a conversation about work. And mm -hmm. sometimes if I have to have that conversation with her, I'll say something like, OK, boss hat, I want to have a real conversation. And she's like, mm -hmm. OK, let's do it. And we even had a conversation yesterday because she's officially hit her two years. And I'm like, OK, do you like it? I don't want mm -hmm. you to be stuck here. I don't want you mm -hmm. to feel that you can't go anywhere else. If you mm -hmm. want to go somewhere else, if you want to do something else. I'm a whole, I'm hundred percent. Do you enjoy what you're doing? Do you enjoy the way that you're doing it? How can we make it better? But then on the other side of that, I want you to know you're not locked in here just because I'm your mom. Okay. Because I own the agency, but we have to be bold. We have to be brave. We have to step into that leadership piece with courage. And that means having those hard conversations. Mm -hmm. And I think that in a, in a family business, and especially with, like I said, the amount of nepotism that's in this industry mm -hmm. in general, we have to be bold enough to have those conversations. And I'll be very honest with you. My, my, my stepfather and I, are, he was with Allstate. The mold crisis hit Texas. He wanted to go independent. He had a non-compete. So therefore, uh, 20 years ago, 21 years ago, I opened up the independent side as a compliment, supposedly, to his Allstate. He mm -hmm. shut down his Allstate about five years later and came and joined me, which was wonderful. But at the same point, we are not that type of people that have those conversations. And I've tried before and they just don't seem to go well between us. So I ended up stepping in and taking a leadership role um, because of the fact things needed to get done that we were just having a very hard time talking about. So I've been on that side where things are tough, where the nerves are just boiling out of my pores and my skin because I don't want to have these conversations because I know that I probably will not have a better, in a good outcome so when my daughter said, I want to join the agency, I said, we're doing this differently. We're not doing this the way that it's been done before. We're going to do this in a way that it is healthy and that is best for everyone. Because again, I want us all to enjoy our job. I want to enjoy what we do so many hours out of the week. And I think it's really powerful to be able to say that we have to be intentional, 10 times more intentional when we're in business with family than we would be if we're in business with somebody that we can go away for Christmas or a holiday and we don't see them, right? These are people that literally sit at our table for the for all the major national holidays, as well as our birthdays and all these other things. We want that to be a good experience. Mm -hmm. and we want them to feel strong and confident in their job as well. And that could be a very hard balance to be able to get. No, absolutely.
Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, we could go on for hours talking about the family <laughs> dynamics. Independent agents, are you tired of the endless hours spent quoting home and auto insurance? Quotimation is here to revolutionize your process. We get it, time is of the essence, and you don't want to manually gather VIN numbers, drivers, or home quoting data. Quotimation not only streamlines your process, but quotes through your management system and carrier codes, ensuring accuracy and efficiency. Plus, you can embed it on your website and your clients can get a quote within 60 seconds. Revolutionize your quoting experience today. Visit Quotimation.com and take the first step towards a faster, smarter insurance workflow. Um, I want to go to go to the product, production level, right? Insurance Producers Podcast. I want to make sure. So um, how do you set up your producers? You have outside, inside, right? And um, what's that? First of all, how, what's that dynamic look like? How many producers and all that? And I'd love to ask some more questions depending on that. Yeah, so we have, um, we're a smaller agency, just to let you know, we have uh, 10 team members. So, um, and we do really, we do grow. We have a great relationship with the home inspection company that refers business over to us. Um, we've been in and out with that relationship a couple times. Um, we're, we're, we're back there a little bit, but then we're also growing in the commercial space. So with that too, we're working on a lot of, um, referrals, a lot of good conversations, some drop-ins, um, getting to know different networking businesses, things like that, asking for referrals. So um, our inside people, they're asking for referrals. They are, we're actively getting things from our website, from Facebook marketing, from other types of things that we have. And um, we really focus on that for both personal and commercial. We do know that those are a little bit harder to be able to close because those are a little bit more your shoppers that are looking mm -hmm. for something, right? Mm -hmm. But we tag them as such, right? And we actually market to them a little bit differently. Um, we actually have more follow-ups with them because we have to uh, chase them, but we built that up for our automation. So that mm -hmm. way our team is not chasing them, right? But we know that that's what we have to do. We have to reach out to them maybe um, by text message, email, all those things. Because if they're coming to us digitally, they probably want to be communicated with digitally, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so we want to make sure we offer that. Um that's mainly our inside salespeople. They do a great job. Um, we have um, we have specific rules that we have automation that goes out, but then also the, the producer has to reach out multiple times. We do track that. Um, we actually just moved into um, agency Zoom to be able to do some different tracking. Um, we don't have it completely built out yet. I'll be completely honest with that. We were with Active Campaign for a bit. And then mm -hmm. I left that to be able to do some stuff with the Salesforce agreement that didn't end up working out as well mm -hmm. as I wanted it to. So now we're doing um, agency Zoom. We're just really going to nut in there and just stay there. We're not doing anything else. At first, I wanted a very customized approach. I wanted mm -hmm. to make it really us. And, and that was such a big project to mm -hmm. scope everything in that direction that I had to get to the point where... I just said, you know what, let's get it done. And then we're going to come back and then we're going to add little nuances here and there of those customizations. And we have a lot of good customizations in there, but I was so into the customizations. It was almost inhibiting to move forward. So the inside sales does a really good job. Email, phone, text, make sure you follow up multiple times, build in that automation, and then just really get in there and bring your personality to the table because people mm -hmm. want to do business with people that they know, like, and trust. And if we're cold, if we send out an email, right? I mean, we all have those, um, we all get those emails, right? That have the nice script in them maybe. And they're like, hello, I hope you're having a wonderful day today. 
you know, oh, you know, the holidays are coming and I hope you're ready for that, whatever it might be, right? And then you have somebody at the end who's like, oh, it's been a beautiful day today and we're so grateful to do business with you. You get emails like that. You're like, oh, this person's a really nice person. Sometimes you get other emails or phone calls, messages, voicemails, text messages that say, hey, your quote's ready, call me right? It just doesn't have as much personality. So we try to make sure that our team is very, very personable. We talk to them all the time about smiling on the phone. We talk to them about being personable. In today's day and age, you might have had that same conversation 15 times, 23 times, but you still need to make sure you treat that person as if it's the first time you've had that conversation today. So we're really big on that. We do have inside sales meetings uh, once a week to make sure that we all our numbers are where we need them to be. Um, and then they have a once a week, um, 15 minutes check in with me in general. So that way, you know, what's working, what's not working, what are your numbers at? What do you need to talk to me about? And I usually allot 30 minutes because 15 minutes mm -hmm. isn't enough. But mm -hmm. at the same point, if they have more discussions they need to have, then that's something we need to schedule for, right? This is yeah. really just a check in. The number one problem or challenge with sales is that the people feel like they're being driven to such a degree that they get burnout. And as a leader, we have to listen. How are you doing? What is working for you? What is not working for you? Is there something you want to try? Do you need additional education? You know, are you doing, we have a rule that people have to do two hours of education per month. Okay. I don't care if it's a carrier, uh, a webinar. I don't care if you're getting a certification, two hours per month. Are you doing that? What are you working on? Are you expanding your knowledge? We have to make sure sales stays fresh. We have the same conversations, especially in personal lines, especially right now, that are super redundant. Mm -hmm. And I think it really um, inhibits people from being able to um, think outside the box and be creative. And uh, people want that. So that, that, that quick check-in to make them know that they're seen and heard um, and then if we need if we need a bigger meeting, we do one, right? Awesome. And then I usually try to make sure I bring that into our bigger meetings. So I say, hey, we're working on these things, right? I hear this repetitively from the team that maybe we need to work on something. Um, same thing for outside sales. We are a virtual agency. So we do physically have locations, but we are on Zoom all day long to where we see each other. We see eyeballs all day long. We mute ourselves when we're on the phone. We share the screen if we want to show something. Hey, Teresa, I got a question. Hey, Bree, I've got somebody on the phone. Hey, Danielle, do you have this available? You know, we are probably more communication driven than a standard office that sees each other all day long because we don't just go into a cube or an office, shut our door, and then have to go knock and interrupt somebody whenever mm -hmm. we have a question, right? We do have an online chat that we talk in during the day, but then on the other side of that, we are on Zoom to where we can um, go into a breakout room. So like those 15 minute meetings, right? It's eyeballs to eyeballs. It's not just over the phone, it's eyeballs mm -hmm. to eyeballs over Zoom. How are you doing? What's working? What's not working? Tell me how, how I can help. And uh, that Zoom aspect for us has taken it to a whole nother level. Um, I do have one or two team members that prefer to have their camera off. So I do require that uh, two days a week, they have to have their camera on. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, But other than that, they are able to do that. So I try to make sure I listen to what they want 
and what they're really looking for. Um, if they're in outside sales, they pop in. They uh, they even bring clients into our Zoom meetings sometimes. I call it a virtual mm-hmm. office. So mm-hmm. uh, they even bring clients in. We go into breakout rooms and then I'll sit in with them, especially if they're a newer producer and they're in that process maybe of talking about maybe something they aren't as familiar with, especially commercial mm-hmm. or um if there's some product line they're not as versed in, I'll go ahead and I'll join or our commercial lines director or a personal lines director will go ahead and join. And so we do a little breakout room. It's like a little office meeting space. And that works really, really well as well. So I think being flexible, listening, encouraging and inspiring is the key to being able to run a really good sales team. That's awesome. I love that. I'm curious on, so so your Zoom is on for like eight hours, like and, and and basically like, so it's just a Zoom that's basically on, and everybody is sitting doing their own thing, and if they're on a phone or something, they'll just mute themselves. But it's almost like, it's like a virtual reality office, like it's just yeah. like, pretty much. Oh wow, I, that's my biggest. So we do a nine o'clock and a one o'clock every day. It's a quick 10, 15 minutes, and everybody's required to be there. How are things going? Boom, 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 boom. It's just every day. It's just accountability. It's it's almost a part of our culture now because everybody yeah. loves it because we see each other because we're all over the country. I love that idea. I'm going to start getting people to – because that's the biggest thing for us is I know for a fact that if they're with us, around us, and within our organization in some capacity, whether it's in office or in Zoom or just hanging out with us every day, we know they're going to be more successful than them being on, them, on their own. I mean that's just that's just yeah. a no-brainer. It says, how do we bring in the, I love the Zoom idea. I love that. I want to ask you a um, quick question. What do you think, and I know you just mentioned this, but what do you think somebody who is at maybe like, let's say four or 500,000 in new business, they're writing, right? They want to get to like a million in premium or 750. Like how do those team members, what do you do to, to these team members? How do they grow that kind of a, kind of to get to the next level? So I am not the queen bee of anything. And I tell my team that all the time. I am not the knower of all things. I'm not the queen bee of anything. So I actually hired a leadership coach this past year and Mm. she gave everybody work style coaching or work style uh, assessments. She actually gives it to everybody every quarter. And it Mm. also gives them, it gives me, um, I call it a happy score. She calls it, I can't remember her uh, mental health score. I can't remember what it is, Mm -hmm. but anyway, I call it a happy score. So it's, it's, it's where are you at? How exhausted are you? How outside of your threshold are you with what you've been, you've been doing? We do that every quarter. We review that with the team every quarter. She reviews that with the team member every quarter. They have access to her if they have any challenges in the office, if they want to talk to me and if they want to talk through something that then maybe they want to talk to me about or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then what we do is we take that work style uh, knowledge and that work style mm-hmm. um, assessment, if you will. And then we try to build, be able to build the goals and a program around that that matches their mm-hmm. personality. I think, like I said earlier, I think a lot of people get burnt out or a lot of people don't like mm-hmm. sales because they feel it's pressure. They feel that mm-hmm. it's, they don't feel the joy. People who love sales love the thrill, right? They mm-hmm. love the clothes. Mm-hmm. They love the thrill. Mm-hmm. They love the numbers on the dashboard. They love to be able to be a part of that. And unless we can really truly get them there through coaching, they're never going to find that joy. I think a lot of people get scared or a lot of people decide they're not good at sales because at some point they didn't have enough training to do what they needed to do the way they needed to Mm -hmm. do it. So therefore, by being able to know what their work style is, 
then we develop a program with them based on their work style. If they're a hunter and they want to go out there and they want to just kill it, that's great. If they're more of a farmer, but yet they want to get to these numbers, let's talk about how to do that based on how your work style is. And so therefore they're working within integrity for who they are rather than coming to me and me going, you have to follow the set of rules that applies to everybody else and you're going to hate your life. I don't want that for my team. Mm -hmm. So by being able to bring in Jessica, by being able to make Jessica available for them and doing regular assessments with that, and then being able to have Jessica work with them on how to be able to create those goals, how to keep themselves structured, maybe time management, those types of things. I think what we need to do is number one, know our team members and we need to know how they work and how they respond Mm -hmm. to the environment. And then we need to be able to help them build a program to let them get where they want to go. It gives them personal ownership in that sales process, mm-hmm. as well as it allows them to step up and be have a voice in what they want. Therefore, if they don't meet their goals, it's their, I mean, they're the ones that set mm-hmm. them, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the ones that sets that goals. We also make sure whenever we do some of these assessments, we ask, what are your personal goals and how can we help you make those? Because I think people in sales sometimes are so driven for those numbers that sometimes if they have a goal, like maybe taking their family to Disney World, right, or a big a big vacation or something they want to do, sometimes they put that on the back burner a little bit more. But if we can tie the two together, it brings them that additional motivation. So we don't ignore the personal life and the personal goals of what it is that our team members want. And I think that's gone over really, really well for us to help them to rise and to be able to achieve those goals. And then again, the monitoring too of that saying, hey, here's your goal. This is where you're Mm -hmm. at. You're at this percentage. And I know there's a lot of automation that does a lot of that. Mm -hmm. But we, when we tie it into personal goals, it also helps to be able to make it just a lot more relevant and a lot more important to them rather than just doing what their boss tells them they need to do because their boss put an incentive plan in front of them that if they sell... 30% more this year, then they're going to make an extra bonus or then they're going to make more money. Mm -hmm. Money is a driving factor for a lot of people, but money's not a driving factor for everyone. And I think we need to understand that for some people it's lifestyle, which Mm -hmm. takes money. It always comes back to money. Don't get me wrong. It always comes back to money, but their goal is not the money. Their goal is maybe the lifestyle. Their goal is maybe the the freedom of having a book that of the people that they love, that they can go and drop in on and all these businesses. And then they, they help out all these people. What is the goal of our team? Listen to that, work with their work style, help them to create a program to get where they want to go. And typically that alone inspires them to be able to really step up. I love that. I really do. I love that. I hope uh... we can do it for ourselves. I know that you guys have a lot of producers. Um, I love Brene Brown. She has a lot of good um, uh, self-awareness and uh, leadership uh, conversations. But if we if we are not getting that from our boss, right, if we're not getting that from our team that we're a part of, why do we wait for other people to go create that? We should take personal responsibility and say, my life, my career is in my responsibility. If I cannot achieve it in that space, then it's my job to go get another job. It's my mm-hmm. it's my responsibility to go find another employer. But at the same point, if I'm doing everything I can do within that space of where I'm at right now, nine times out of 10, you're going to be able to find a lot better situation 
And you're going to be able to create that. And I can almost guarantee you, whoever it is who's a supervisor or a trainer is going to notice that. And you're going to end up getting a lot more kudos and a mm-hmm. lot more freedom, a lot more um, encouragement and a lot more tools to be able to do your job than if we just sit around and whine about it because we want our boss to be able to do something or provide something and we can't achieve our goals because we don't have blank. Go out, find it, get it, bring it to your boss, bring it to your leader and make sure that you have that conversation. If that's not workable, find a space that is. And that's what I always tell people is that we have to be able to do our very best with what we have. And if we can't, then we need to be able to part ways so that I can let people be happy where they are, maybe in a different environment. Mm -hmm. I am not everybody's cup of tea and that's fine. And um, we just need to make sure that we give people that freedom. I love the people that have worked for me over the last 20 to 21 years, but it doesn't mean they work for me now. Right. But it doesn't mean we parted on bad terms. We just were not a good match. And um, that's okay. But if they can work with me, I can work with them. They can communicate. We can work together and help each other to get what each other needs. That's going to be a win-win situation for everybody. I want to applaud you for for what you're doing uh, in the independent channel and what you're doing for Women in Power. I truly believe um, my daughter is going to be better off 20 years from now when she's going to get into the industry because of people like you. So I want to applaud you for what you're doing with your podcast and everything else that I see on social media and the groups that you're creating. Um, for the audience, if you know, if you don't follow Teresa, I think you are uh, missing on a lot of good, good stuff. So I, I encourage you guys um, to go follow her on social media. And I'm sure if you reach out to her, I promise you she'll take the time to spend some time with you. Um, to, because, because I don't know her very well. This is my first time meeting in person, but I can just tell um, that she truly is there to care, um, not just for women, obviously, for everybody, to be honest with you. Uh, it's her mission to do that. It's my mission for my daughter to have a platform at one point and for my wife and everybody else, potentially than my sister. Um, but that's not the only thing that she's doing. She's doing a lot of other stuff as well. And then my question to you then is uh, two questions before we go. What differentiates, if you would have to give me, let's just keep it to three sentences. What would you say that your definition of greatness is for a producer in the insurance world? What differentiates a great producer versus an average? Hmm, that's a really good question. So sentences, right? Because my because I'm thinking words. So yeah, I say you honest. could do words. You could do. Sentences. I say honest. I say communicator, and I say courage, courageous. Because I think in this industry we have to be honest. We we have to walk away from things that don't fit for us. Um, I think that we have to be um, courageous. Because sometimes that means doing things that are hard. It means making those phone calls that we don't want to make. You hear, We hear all the time, my insurance agent doesn't answer the phone. My insurance mm-hmm. agent never called me back, whatever. That's because people are not being courageous, right? And people gravitate towards people that they can trust. And then you're going to get the referrals. You're going to have a better book. You're going to have a better career. And then um, just really just... Um, you know, just just getting in there and just being strong and courageous and honest and 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 a team player and those to me are are exactly what it's all about and that's what I look for in a team. That's what I look for with people I do business with, and that's what I look for for people that I invite to my table to be able to come and be a part of my life. And for me, business is life. Life is business. I know there's a lot of people that separate them. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I've got family in this space. Uh, my husband um, helps me here and there doing different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I don't, 
I don't have a, a hard line between work and, 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 and home. Mm-hmm. I should probably, but I don't because I pour everything I am into my business and I pour everything that I am into my family. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's my culture and that's my work style. And um, it's working really well for me. Different people are different, but um, being able to utilize those tools, um, I think is what's going to help the insurance agent in the future to be able to get through this market and be able to get through what's coming because right. we're going to be seeing some changes. We just don't know mm-hmm. what they are yet, right? And change is part of life. Embrace it. It's never going to be different. I mean, sometimes I'm like, people, we're not doing brain surgery. We're not telling mm-hmm. people that their children have cancer. We're not in politics. Mm-hmm. Chill out. Just chill out. Go with the flow. Go with the industry. Go with the market. Level yourself up and just be better tomorrow every single day, because then we're going to end up achieving those goals. We may feel today like we're not where we want to be, but we will be if we stay persistent and consistent in our goals. That's the number one key. I will tell you, I wish, um, I'm originally from Afghanistan. I think I told you in Afghanistan, women can't go to school after elementary school because they don't, they don't want them to be in power. They don't want them to talk back. They don't want them to be leaders and stuff because men dominate with the Taliban coming in. I wish women in Afghanistan, like my cousins are there and stuff. And they're, they're there where my mom is there right now, hanging out with them. And they talk to me all the time. And it's really sad with what's going on over there. And not just over there. There are some here as well that basically are just not. So I, I wish this podcast could be somewhat translated or your podcast specifically. And some of the people that we bring on and somewhat they read into that or they, they listen to it and kind of gives them a little bit of a, Hey, I can do this as well. I could be an agency owner. I can be a leader. I can be on the executive level. I don't have to just be a a service person or admin or whatever that is that people are known for. So I think we're uh, we're on this mission to hopefully one day when they change that, um, and uh, and I think that will happen sooner than later. Um, and so my last question for you is, what is one thing? Um, it's about win the day. So what is one thing that Teresa has to do every day that when she puts her head down on the pillow at night? And you're like, man, that was a successful day. It could be work. It could be not work. It could be whatever that you want. For me, I have to feel like I did my best. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. I'm, I'm never going to get through my to-do list. I would love to. I would. Mm-hmm. I dream of walking out my door one day and having all of my, all of my everything done. I, I, that will mm-hmm. never happen. I've come to that realization. But um, I want, I am very, very passionate about my team. I'm very, very mm-hmm. passionate about my culture. And I feel like I tell my team all the time, my job is not to answer the phone. My job is not to be able to run quotes. My job is to empower you to be the very best that you can be, to be able to love what you do and to be able to just take that and pour that into our team, into our Mm -hmm. clients. And so I feel like at the end of the day, if I've done my very best, if I brought my very best to the table, then I can put my head down at the end of the day and I'll be good. If I'm not, if I'm... Uh, being lazy, if I'm not bringing my very best, if I was not in a good mental position on a conversation, I will replay that in my head up repetitively. And I'm working on that. That self-love <laughs> is I do not do very well with letting myself off the hook on that. Um, but I'm, I'm working on that self-love, love myself, but I also want my team to love themselves. And I want my team to be able to say at the end of the day, I might have messed up one or two things, but I did my best right in that moment. And to me, if we do our best and we bring our best to the table every day, it doesn't mean I'm going to be the best right Mm -hmm. in the whole entire universe. I think people get really confused on that. They think bringing our best is being the best. 
like being the best in the office, the best in the industry, winning all these awards. That's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's about me, myself, and I, at the end of the day, did I do my best? And to me, if we can do that, we've had a great day. That is absolutely true. My shirt in the bag, this is our, our it says culture eats strategy for breakfast. I like it. That's that's literally our Jaffrey Insurance motto. It's culture eats strategy for, for breakfast. Hey, I hope everybody had a great time. Teresa, thank you so much. It was so valuable. Man, we could talk for four hours on this. <laughs> <We probably laughs> uh, and then, and I, and I really think with all the topics, we certainly would love to have you back again. Uh, we certainly appreciate your time.